Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bay Ridge Christian Church. This teaching is from the series Authentic 2, a study of the letter of 2 John. The short letter of 2 John is full of big topics, helping to define an authentic Christian faith and life. We hope this helps you understand and apply God's Word in your life today. We're going to be looking today at 2 John again, and we're going to be looking at the first six verses this time, as today we're going to be talking about authentic love. So 2 John, we're going to be looking at the first six verses. They'll be up on the screen, and you can also follow along in your Bible. I'm using the New International Version. So hear now the word and the command of the living God. The elder to the chosen lady and her children, whom I love in the truth, and not I only, but also all who know the truth, because of the truth, which lives in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son will be with us in truth and love. It has given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth just as the Father commanded us. And now, dear lady, I'm not writing you a new command, but one that we have had from the beginning. I ask that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk in obedience to his commands. As you have heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. Uh, we're calling this series Authentic, or Authentic Two. Uh, back when I taught First John, I'd referred to it as authentic, and that's because that is a very key idea today in our culture. What's really central and important is that something is authentic. And if I say this is authentic, then you really can't judge it. It's, it's authentically who I am am and therefore it's put outside the realm of something that someone could say is right or wrong or or have any judgment towards because the only bad thing would be as if I was inauthentic to myself. And this is especially true today when it comes to the areas of who I am as a person and who I love. When I say that this is an authentic love, when I say love is love, it means you can't state anything regarding what that is because in our culture, authenticity and love are primary values. They, they are primary uh, ethical ideas and everything else has to submit to them. But of course, the question is, what does it mean to actually be authentic? Are we defining that correctly? And secondly, what is love? So today we're going to hit a, a topic that John is addressing that is very, very critical for our own culture, and that is what is authentic love? So we'll, we'll dive in and we'll see what John does here. Now, I want to point out at the beginning that John, as I said a couple of weeks ago, John was the apostle of truth and how he used the word truth more than the other apostle. He's also the apostle of love. The same thing is true that his use of love is dominant in the New Testament. Love is a key theme in this very short letter. We're dealing with the letter of, it's one of the shortest letters in the entire uh, Bible. 
And notice here that in these first six verses, John uses the word love four times. I've got them highlighted up here uh, on the screen. You know, he says he's writing to the chosen lady and her children whom I love in the truth. Uh, he says that the grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ the Father Son will be with us in truth and love. In verse uh, 5, he says that the, the command we receive, is what he's asking us to do is to love one another. And then in verse 6, he defines love. This is love. And in fact, the NIV, as you notice in the very last word up there, which I've got bracketed, uh, and underline that's it is in the NIV. It's not actually there in the Greek. It's implied because what what it actually says in the Greek is that you know we are to walk in it. The it either being directly the word love or being the command which is to walk in love. So either way it comes to the same thing. So the NIV just went ahead and made that explicit. And so if you count that, really the idea is there five times. Directly the word love and then the pronoun referring back to it. And this is in a very short period of time. I, it's one of the things I love about John. Uh, his Greek is very, very simple. John writes in a very simple way, but he makes it very clear what he's talking about. John loves repetition. He loves to, to repeat the same idea over and over again to drive it home. And so he's letting us know right up front, love is one of the major concerns of this letter. But it's not just a major concern in this letter. It's one of John's major concerns. He is, as I stated a moment ago, the apostle of love. Now why I say that is, some form of the word love, whether a noun or a verb, is used 320 times in the New Testament. John is 112 of those. He's over a third of the uses of the word love in the New Testament. And he's, again, nowhere near. John's probably more like 15% or so of the writing of the New Testament. But he is over a third of the uses of love. The two books that have the highest totals of the word love in the New Testament are the Gospel of John and the letter of 1 John, if you just count how many times the word love occurs. Now, one might say, yeah, but the Gospel of John is one of the longest letters in the New Testament, so of course there's more uses of the word love in the Gospel of John than there are in the book of Philippians, and you are correct, but if you count you know, the highest concentration, so per hundred words, which one uses the word love the most, the highest concentrations in the New Testament in order are 3 John, 1 John, and 2 John. John, John, he's got this note, and he likes to hammer this drum, and it is love. Now, what's funny is, if you've been around the Christian church long, you may have heard that there is a love chapter. And the love chapter, of course, is 1 Corinthians 13 except for actually the chapter that has the highest occurrence of love in it is actually 1 John chapter 4, not 1 Corinthians 13. It's actually 1 John chapter 4, which has the famous verse, God is love. And we're going to come back and see some verses in 1 John 4 where John defines love for us. So I bring up all of this because when you stand before the Father to try and get into heaven, you're going to be quizzed on this. Now, not really. Um, I bring it up not to just give you some numbers, but I want us to see when you're looking at the writings of John, John is telling us that love is central to the Christian gospel and the Christian life. 
There is no way to understand God, the life and work of Jesus Christ, the gospel, or what a Christian life looks like apart from understanding authentic love. Because John's very, very concerned as to what is love and what is not love. So I really couldn't think of a better place in the scripture to dive into this topic of what is authentic love. So what we're going to do with the rest of the teaching is we're going to see how John defines authentic love. And he actually gives us four major points that define what authentic love is. First, John tells us authentic love is rooted in and defined by the character of God. The first thing to understand about love is love is defined uh, by the character of God. It is rooted in God himself. Notice his first use of the word love, or second use actually, of the word love in this letter in, in verse 3, where he says, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son will be with us in truth and love. Everything in this verse is rooted in the Father and the Son. Everything in this verse is defined by God. It comes from God. Grace is not what you and I say it is. It's what God says it is. Uh, mercy and peace are not human realities. They are divine realities. And the same thing is true with truth and with love. God is the source of authentic love. Now, this is important because we're, we're already at, at a distinction with the way our culture defines love. Authentic love is not defined by human emotion, but rather by the nature, character, and actions of God. I may feel something very strongly, and I attach the word love to that, and that has nothing to do with love. Love does not come from what I feel is love. That may just be biochemical actions going on in my bloodstream. Love is defined by the character and the nature and the actions of God. Now, John here in this letter is very compact and compressed. If you read in the Gospel and in 1 John, you get these ideas defined even more clearly. So in 1 John chapter 4, verse 10, John defines love for us, and he says this, this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. So first notice, love is not something that arises from us, but rather something that comes from God to us. Love is rooted in God, not rooted in us. So we don't get to define what it is. It's defined by the source, which is God. Secondly, God loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And so that means that love is not just an emotion. It's actually an action. A love is not God's feelings towards us, but the fact that Jesus Christ came and worked atonement for us. So it's not human in its source. 
nor is it primarily dealing with an emotion. We're wrong on both of those things. It is divine in its source, and it's primarily about an action. And then thirdly, any human love, notices in verse 11, dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So whenever we want to discuss human love, a horizontal aspect of love, it's rooted back in the nature, the character, and the actions of God. If it lines up with the nature and character of God, and if it lines up with the actions of God in sending Jesus Christ to work atonement for us, God says that's love. And if it does not line up with that, no matter how much we may feel it, it's not authentic love. Maybe something else, but it is not authentic love. So this is important for us to understand because very often today the way we use the word authentic love, when we think of it, we oppose it to the holiness of God. But see, what the Scripture is telling us is authentic love is not opposed to the holiness of God, but always works so that holiness is maintained. They always work together. There is no conflict. There is no tension between holiness and love. Holiness is always loving, and love is always holy. Always. And if it is not holy, it is not love. So that's the first point, is love is rooted in and defined by the nature, character, and actions of God. Secondly, John tells us that authentic love is displayed in the life and death of Jesus Christ. Now notice um, in 2 John 1.5, we had just seen this actually in, in 1 John 4.10, you know that it's the atoning love. But notice in 2 John 1.5, we read, and now, dear lady, I'm not writing to you a new command, uh, but one we have had from the beginning. I ask that we love one another. Now, the reason I'm bringing this up and saying it's related to Jesus Christ is there's a question. Um, the command to love is actually in the Old Testament. John says this is not a new command. When I'm telling you to love one another, this isn't something I just came up with. And in fact, of course, we could go back to the Old Testament. For example, in Leviticus Chapter 19, verse 18, we're told, do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against one of your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, I am the Lord. So the Lord says here, you are to love one another, and there's a standard. The standard is love each other as much as you love yourself. But now, of course, when John is writing and says this isn't a new command, you, if you're familiar with John's writings, may say, but wait a minute, didn't Scott read out of John's writings at the beginning of our meeting today and say, Jesus says, I'm giving you a new command, right? John 13, 34, a new command I give you, love one another. How is that a new command? And it's not that, well, Jesus didn't study his Bible enough. He knew it was there because, in fact, Jesus said the entire law was summarized in the command to love God and love your neighbor as yourself. He's very familiar with the command. He said it was the second greatest command. How can he say it's new? Well, it's new because, notice at the end of it, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, love one another. See, it's new because now there's a new standard. 
It's no longer love someone as much as you love yourself. Now it's love someone as much as I love you, which, friends, is a much higher standard. And so here, John is kind of building this up that there's a new model and a new measure. And the new model and the new measure is Jesus Christ. The words and the actions of Jesus, his life and his death, are now the model of what love is. And so authentic love is displayed in the life of Christ, which is the model for believers. If you go back in 1 John chapter 2, and there are many places where John brings this up, but in 1 John chapter 2, verses 5 and 6, he puts it this way. If anyone obeys his word, speaking of the word of God, God's love is truly made complete in him. This is how we know that we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. This is a key piece of John's writing in theology. To be a Christian, not to get too simplistic, means you follow Christ. You are walking after Christ. That's what it means to be a Christian. You are walking in the way of Jesus. And so John says God's love is at work in the life of believers, and believers have to walk in obedience. And what does that look like? That looks like Jesus. It looks like you walking after Jesus. Jesus is the model of authentic love in action. So when we read the Gospels, and we see Jesus' life, that life is authentic love. And if you want to think of it in John's gospel, you're really looking at authentic love being described in the first 12 chapters or so, which is all the, the life and the teaching of Jesus. But then it shifts. The last half of the gospel is actually about the night Jesus is betrayed and his death and resurrection. Because John wants us to know authentic love is not only displayed in the life of Christ, but it is preeminently displayed in the death of Jesus Christ. Again, I remind you of 1 John 4.10, which we looked at a moment ago. This is love. Okay, this is very clear. You want to know what love is? This is it. Not that we loved God, but that God loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Authentic love is seen in the death of Jesus Christ. Authentic love prompted God to send the son. Okay, the most famous verse in John's writings, for God so loved the world that he sent his son and he's sending him to work salvation. Authentic love also prompted Jesus not only to live for us, but to sacrifice himself to pay for our sins. So once again, authentic love is not merely an emotion, but is seen in concrete actions of sacrifice for the good of others. I could flip over to Paul's writings. You remember in 1 Corinthians 13, Paul says, hey, it doesn't matter. I can say that I love and I do all of this. It's not authentic if you're not actually, if it's not producing action, okay? The same thing is true in, throughout John's writings. Authentic love, if you want to think of it this way, is a verb. It's an action. It's not primarily an emotion. The third point that John makes is, so it's rooted in the character and nature and actions of God. It's seen uh, and displayed in the life and death of Jesus Christ. Third, it's described in God's law. 
God's law is a full description of love. So notice in verse 6, John says, and this is love. This is another one of his definitions here. This is love, that we walk in obedience to his commands. As you've heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. Authentic love is always obeying the commands of God. If I do something and declare to you that I feel the love while I'm doing it, but it is disobeying the law of God, it is not love. It's probably hatred. No matter how much I feel all warm inside while I do it, that just means my moral meter is broken. That's all that tells me. Authentic love always obeys the law of God. And this is because God's law which is summarized as loving God and loving others, describes to us what love is. So I can't be disobeying the law, which is a description of loving God and loving others. That's the two great commandments. It's the two halves of the Ten Commandments. Paul tells us the entire law is summarized in love. All of this is showing us that if you are loving, you will be obeying the law of God. And if you are obeying the law of God, you will be loving. And so notice, actually, in verses 4 to 6, I I reference how often the word love occurs. There's another word that occurs as many times, which is the word command. It appears four times in verses 4 to 6. Now see, this is important for us, and I'll come back and chat about this in a few minutes and applying the word, but see, we think of any idea of love and an idea of command as being antithetical. You can't talk about command and love. If it's authentic, it's just a rising out. The Bible says that's nonsense. Command and love not only are not antithetical, they're married to one another. They go with one another. And so any idea of love, love, you need to put scare quotes around it, that embraces desires or actions contrary to God's revealed law and will is actually, by definition, inauthentic. Now, that's not popular with our culture. And people are going to say, no, 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 you don't. Well, this is a, this is a stopping point. This is, we will not give up these. There is a war on language today, okay? Because language defines reality. God created, I mean, the second person of the Trinity is the Word. God created by His Word. Language defines reality. What we've done is we've redefined authentic and we've redefined love, and they're both wrong definitions. And it's important for us to fight for the definition and say, no, that's, that's not authentic love. That's actually inauthentic. It is not authentic and it is not love. Now, because God is love, authentic love will always, always, if you're taking notes, always is big letters, capital, circle it, underline it, okay? uh, Because God is love, authentic love will always reflect the character of God. But what's God's character like? That is described in God's law and displayed in the words and actions of Jesus. Again, the two are the same. God's law is not some random thing. It's a representation of what God is like. And so if God is love, and John's very clear, he tells us multiple times God is love, 
then I can't say my thing is love if it goes against the character of God. It's maybe something else, but it is not love. Fourth thing, and these all flow from one another. So if love is rooted in the nature, character, and actions of God, if it is uh, displayed in the life and the death of Jesus Christ, and if it's described in God's law, then that leads to the last point, which is authentic love is an essential trait of the obedient Christian life. And the word obedient is so important, I almost titled this teaching authentic, obedient love, because you can't understand love without talking about obedience. I'm putting up here on the screen, notice the words in blue there are walking. In the Greek, it's the word to walk, okay, peripateo, uh, which, which was actually originally used with the philosophers because they would walk around, and you would walk with the philosopher, and they called it peripatetic teaching. It meant we were walking around and talking. And what it came to mean because of that and because they were teaching ethics, the idea became my life is my walk. Okay, it's what I'm doing. Well, notice here there is walking is mentioned three times. The NIV actually in verse 6 has walk in obedience. That's actually just the word walking, but they're bringing out the idea that when you're told you're walking in the commands, it means I'm obeying the commands. And then notice again, commands is there four times. So you can't get around this. In this section that is full of all these love words, where love is mentioned four times, if you include the pronoun five, you've got walking three times and command four times. There's hardly any other words in these sentences right here, okay? It's very clear that John is saying this is authentic love walking in the commands. This is what the Christian life is going to look like. Because authentic love is a summary of God's law, and it's a description of the words and actions of Jesus, it is an essential trait of the obedient Christian life. Because whether one thinks of the obedient Christian life as being in obedience to God's law, or whether one says that the obedient Christian life is actually walking like Jesus did, John says yes and amen to both. Because both of those are love. What is the description of how Jesus walked and lived and died? It was love. What is the description and a summary of the law? It is love. So if you are walking in the law or you are walking after Jesus Christ, in either event, you are going to be walking in love. So it is impossible to be obedient to God's law while having a life that is defined by attitudes, words, and actions of anger or bitterness or judgmentalism rather than love. If when people describe my character, if you meet somebody who knows me well and you say, I've never really met Brett, what is Brett like? And the words that come out are anger, bitter, judgmental, that's a problem. That's a serious problem because those things are not a summary of the law, nor are they how Jesus lived his life. It's impossible, friends, for us to walk in obedience to God's way and to be walking in authentic love and have our life described by those things. Now, I bring that point out because much of what's going on in our culture right now, what you're being schooled and discipled in, and so am I, is to be angry about everything. We are the legion of the easily 
offended. That is our culture. We just get outraged at everything. Let me tell you, that is not authentic love. It's just simply not. Even if I disagree with something, there is no point in walking around outraged. It's just utterly pointless. But it's also impossible to be obedient to God's law while having a life defined by actions that embrace what God has declared to be sinful. It doesn't matter how much I say, this is the way God made me, this is what I really feel inside about who I am, or this is what I really, I really feel this is love. God says, no, if it does not line up with my law, it is not that. And that is not an obedient Christian life. To be a disciple means to be under God's authority. And it means that to be blood. I mean, you know, I could bring out, Jesus summarized the Christian life as deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me, which might be a clue that just because I feel it is not a good guide. <laughs> I, I might be, you know, but, but you don't understand how deep I feel it. Well, Jesus said deny yourself. That goes pretty deep to who I am. And that's what it means to be a disciple. So the obedient Christian life will be a display of God's authentic love as defined in God's word. So if you put all this together, this is the theme statement that I kind of wrote for this week. If you want to understand authentic love, I would define it this way. Authentic love is rooted in the character of God, displayed in the life and death of Jesus Christ, described in God's law, and is an essential trait of the obedient Christian life. There's, there's no way. This is what John wants us to get. You can't understand God, Christ, the gospel, what it means to be a Christian apart from authentic love. Now, how do we apply this, and we'll come to the table of authentic love? A couple of questions. First, do I understand authentic love? Now, you might say, I hope so. You just spent 25 or 30 minutes talking about it. But I'm bringing this up because this is not what our culture tells you. So what you are hearing all day long, a drumbeat that is being hammered into your ears. I, I've started this year reading a couple of dystopian novels. Okay, I, I, I read Brave New World and I read 1984 because they just are so cheery, both of them. Um, and I'm going to be reading Fahrenheit 451 next. That's next in my list. But both of them have this thing where lies are just repeated over and over and over and over again. I'm in the middle of 1984 right now. And it is freedom is slavery. This is one of their things. And you just repeat it enough and it's a constant drone and everybody starts walking around and saying freedom is slavery. And they get to where if we tell you two plus two is five, then two plus two is five. So when I say do I understand authentic love, it's because what our culture, that drumbeat is as incessant as with Big Brother, that freedom is slavery. We have an incessant one, and it it's that authentic means being true to what I think and what I desire. Whatever my shifting desires are, that defines authentic. But see, 
the word authentic actually means real. And what is real is that which is in accord with reality as God made it. And if you don't think we're willing to deny reality right now, we will deny what has been obvious to human beings for thousands of years. We will deny what is literally going on inside of every cell inside my body and then say you're kooky and crazy if you don't agree with me. We will keep hammering and drumming and saying, but I feel it, therefore it must be authentic rather than what God has actually built and put in creation itself. We think love is love and authentic love is whatever we really want or feel. But let me describe a few things here to remind us, you know, going by the definition, as we put it back up here on the screen, this is what John says, what authentic love is. Again, rooted in the character of God, displayed in the life and death of Christ, described in God's law and an essential trait of the obedient Christian life. See, our culture is telling you and me, and we are very tempted to believe, when you hear this so often, it just starts becoming your response. We think love is authentic if it expresses our shifting emotions and desires, whatever I'm desiring today, and it may be different tomorrow. But authentic love is always a reflection of God's unchanging character. So love does not shift. It does not change because it's rooted in the unchanging character of God, not my shifting desires. We think love is authentic if it follows our current personal and cultural behavior patterns. Whatever we're all doing must be what's authentic because we're all doing it. But authentic love is actually thinking, speaking, and acting like Jesus. Not like what I feel or what our culture happens to be doing right now. Because authentic love was displayed by Jesus Christ. Our culture shifts. What we are calling love now was, was despised just a decade ago. But see, love doesn't shift in what it is. We think love is authentic if it conforms to our current wants and desires. But authentic love is choosing capital letters, friends, is choosing to conform our lives to God's law. My desires don't determine love, and love is not me acting on my desires. It may be saying no to my desires. Because if we are all honest, if I could shine a light on just the worst desires you've had, say, in the last 48 hours, every one of us would crawl out of this room. And we all know. We all have things we say no to because we realize that that's wrong. That's disturbing. We all have those things. And authentic love is a choice. And it's a choice that I conform myself to God's law. I don't try and get God and his law to conform to me. We think it is inauthentic to do what is right even if we don't feel like it. We, we call that fake it. That's faking it till you make it. Okay, that's, that's the height of inauthenticity when you're doing something when you feel the opposite. But God says that's actually authentic love. 
when you realize to deny yourself and to take up your cross and to say no to what is a base sinful desire, that is authentic love. When our culture says, no, that's inauthentic. We, we could not be more upside down. And finally, we think love is authentic if it expresses what we feel, but authentic love is always choosing to act in line with the truth of the way God has actually created and ordered the world. See, there is an external reality out here. And it doesn't matter if I were to come over here and I were just to step off and say, you know what, I'm just going to keep walking and, and gravity won't work. Y yes, it will. It will actually work. Whether I declare it work, gravity does not apply to me. Yes, it does apply to you. I don't feel it does. You will. Just hang on a minute. You will. The concrete's a coming. Okay? That's what we need to understand. So is my thinking regarding love actually authentic? Or is it in or unauthentic? I want to encourage you, let God's word shape your view of love. Not the movies. Not music. Not novels, mass media. I could bring up all these examples. If you watch romantic comics, and even our phrase, I fell in love. You know the problem of falling in love? You fall out of love. When I was a kid in the 70s, there was that great song, you know, if you can't be with the one you love, then love the one you're with. Because that's the way God is, right? I mean, it is all over mass media, our production, and they do things. And I can bring up movies where I have caught myself. By the time they're finished framing it, I want the person to do the wrong thing, which is disturbing. But that's what they do. They make me feel that. But we have to say, no, that's wrong. I'm going to be defined by God's truth. Now, this leads to the second question, and then we'll come to the Lord's table. Am I walking in authentic love first ones do i understand it but then secondly as a believer am i walking in it now if you notice within the definition we've gotten out of john's writings authentic love is an essential trait of the obedient christian life what that means is if you're here and you proclaim yourself to be a disciple of jesus christ this is not an option it's not, well, that's not my gift. It's not about being a gift. It's about what the Spirit is forming inside of us. So, am I growing in words and actions that express love towards others? Let me kind of break that down into three little sub-questions. Can authentic love be heard in my words? Now, I'm bringing this up a lot because if, if you are paying any attention at all to what's going on in our culture right now, we spew words of hatred. It's, it's what we do. Everybody right now, the smallest thing right now leads people to say the nastiest stuff towards one another. And I wish I could say I didn't observe Christians joining in. But it's, it's very tempting, but we cannot do that. Authentic love. Does that, see, when they spewed words of hatred at Jesus, we're told he just didn't even answer. 
Like a sheep before its shearers is dumb, silent. So he was before his accusers. So do my words express God's authentic love? If Jesus Christ is the love of God incarnate, and he is, remember, he is the word. Words matter. So do my words express God's love to others? And, and, and let me just say, between words and actions, which I'm going to turn to actions in just a moment, I can't think of a more graphic example. If, if you watch chimpanzees flinging their feces at one another, authentic love does not join in. You're not going to help. It doesn't matter how clever your words are. When they start flinging it, the best thing to do is just get out of the way. There, there is no joining in to many of these conversations that are going on. It's just utter foolishness, and it's getting worse in our culture right now. Second part, can authentic love be seen in my actions? Because as I've stated, you know, in many ways, love is a verb. It is seen in action. God didn't just say, I felt this warm feeling towards you all. We were lost, and he sent his son, and the son offered himself as an atoning sacrifice. So do my actions display God's love, especially to those who are less fortunate, to the suffering, and to the marginalized? Now the reason I bring this up is, you remember Jesus talked about this, hey, it doesn't mean anything if you invite somebody over and you know they're going to invite you back and they do all this. If you really want to be like your father, then be kind to the ungrateful and the wicked and those who are set against you and those who can't do anything back for you, you go and give to them. Then you'll actually be like your father because he makes the sun rise and the rain fall on both the good and the wicked. Okay, so is love seen in the way we respond, especially to those who are less fortunate, the suffering and the marginalized? We need to be known as this as a community of believers. And then third sub-question is, do I have and express authentic love for all others? Okay, because authentic love is very wide in its scope. Okay, you know, it's beliefs. The cultural actions, the political beliefs and actions are second. They're not even, political is not even secondary. It's tertiary. But that's not the way we're acting. Can authentic love be seen in that? How about towards unbelievers? Now, see, I remind you that John tells us that love is defined by Christ sacrificing himself, making an atoning sacrifice for us. Paul tells us that God's love is displayed and that Christ died for us while we were sinners. The gospel is not scrub yourself up, get yourself clean, walk for a while, do the 12 steps, prove that you've done it, and then maybe. That's not the gospel. The gospel is you're dead in your trespasses and sins, and God loves your rotting corpse. So, do I express love like that towards unbelievers who may be saying, this is my authentic love and you can't judge it? Well, we're going to have to have a discussion. We're going to have to talk our way through this, but you're going to know that I do, in fact, love you. I do express it towards you. I don't spew words of hatred. I don't cut you off. I don't treat you nasty. I don't view you as my 
enemy because God has not done that towards me. Again, it's easy to express love for those who are like me. But that's not authentic love. That's just liking myself and others. But we're called to authentic love. So I encourage you this week, cry out for the Spirit to grow authentic love in us. Now what we're going to do is we're going to be coming to the table. And so you can go ahead and get your communion packets out. Because this table is the table of authentic love. And so I want to give as a word of invitation this morning to you, 1 John chapter 4, verse 10. Friends, we come to this table because this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Friends, I encourage you, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if you have trusted in him that he is our only hope, that he is God's atoning love for us, then I encourage you and invite you to come to this table of authentic love which has been spread out for you by the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ. For what I receive from the Lord, I pass on to you. That the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he'd given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup. And he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out so that your sins may be forgiven. Drink from this, all of you, in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Father, it was not out of need, but out of overflowing love that you created us. And it was not out of necessity, but out of overflowing love that you so loved the world that you sent your Son to be our Savior. This morning, we freely confess our sins by which we have violated your holiness, spurned your love, and denied your truth. We take this bread in faith, confessing our sins and professing that Jesus is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, the only way for us to return to you. Take and eat. Jesus, you are the incarnation of authentic love. It was love that prompted you to come. It was love for the Father that fueled your perfect obedience. And it was love for us that you were willing to die so that we might live.
You are the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Having lived a perfect life of obedience, you willingly went to the cross, suffering for our sin and giving your perfect righteousness to us. So as your disciples, we take this cup in faith, proclaiming that your blood is sufficient to cleanse us from all sin. Friends, take and drink. Why don't we go ahead and stand, and I'm going to pray, and I encourage you to cry out to the Holy Spirit with me for Him to come and work this in our hearts. Holy Spirit, in Romans chapter 5, we read that you are the one by whom the authentic love of God is poured into our hearts. By your ministry, we experience this love each day, sustaining, encouraging, and keeping us. Holy Spirit, fall fresh on us now. Come and give us strength so that we might be rooted and established in love and may be able to grasp how wide and how long and how high is the love of Christ so that we might know, we might fully know this authentic love that surpasses knowledge and thus be filled to overflowing with the fullness of God. And, O oh Spirit, as we freshly experience the love of God, empower us so that we might love one another and then take this love into our broken, divided, hate-filled world. Lord, we ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, for the glory of God. And God's people say, amen. Amen. Friends, receive the blessing of God. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. Friends, you are blessed. Go forth in the power of the Spirit and be a Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Bay Ridge Christian Church. For more teachings and resources, please visit www.brcc.church.